Hello and welcome to Epic Healing Transformations. The purpose of this podcast is to create a safe place to heal, transform, and evolve. Your host, Michelle Manning, is a creator of the Quantum Soul Clearing Process. Each week, we'll be bringing you new and innovative ways to heal and transform every area of your life, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, and financially, so you are free to bring your gifts and talents into the world to become the best version of who you are designed to be and to help revolutionize the world. This show will inspire you, lift you, connect you, and give you access to the most cutting-edge healing resources anywhere on the planet. This is the Epic Healing Transformations Podcast. Hi, and welcome to Epic Healing Transformations. I'm your host and curator, Michelle Manning. And today, I have with me Susan Shepard. I am so excited about having her here with me. Susan Shepard is the founder of Getting What You Want, a life and relationship coaching organization that's been created for the purpose of providing women access to the power they already have and to get exactly what they want in every facet of their lives. Susan has actually been an ER nurse for over 40 years. And on top of that, 20 of those years, she has also been a relationship coach. So she's got this amazing background that helps to lay the foundation for her coaching career and dealing with crisis management. And as we all know, sometimes our relationships are filled with crisis. So anyway, without a whole lot further ado, this best-selling author, Susan Shepard, is here with us today. And I cannot wait to talk to her about relationships and getting exactly what we want. Welcome, Susan. Well, hi, Michelle, and hi to your audience. (laughs) So tell all of us, tell me a little bit more about you. You have been through an awful lot. You have your own epic healing transformation in your own life, and you help women all the time get theirs as well with their relationships. Yes, I do. I mean, I actually never intended to be a relationship coach. I was a business coach after I was a nursing manager for years and years and years. And then I was married to the love of my life who had pretty serious PTSD from Vietnam. Oh boy. And it took me 17 years to figure out what was wrong with our relationship. And I didn't know how to fix it. And ultimately we did get divorced. We stayed really close because we had three daughters together and he was the love of my life. I mean, I never stopped loving him. It wasn't, I didn't divorce him because I didn't love him. I divorced him because I didn't know how to fix us. Right. So I took a whole bunch of relationship courses for myself. Really. I never intended to share it with anybody. And I started dating a young man who was about 18 years younger than me. And we didn't last too long because his mother and I were the same age. And <laughs> she just wasn't having it. <laughs> yeah, I bet she wasn't. <laughs> no, and he was oh, a firstborn yeah. son of seven. And, you know, I mean, it was like she was absolutely not having it. Anyway, he went back to his old girlfriend and they had a very dramatic relationship for about two years. And he and I stayed really close friends. And two years into their terrible relationship where they were up and down and back and forth and in and out and getting married and having a baby and having a miscarriage and blah, 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 all that stuff. And I ran into her and she said, oh, I'm so glad to see you. And I'm like, uh, why you don't even like me? And I'm not sure I like you either. <laughs> You're right. I don't like you, but you have something I want. And I'm like, what do I have that you want? You know, she said, the kind of relationship I want to have. She said, I've been watching while I've been his girlfriend and you've been his friend. And he was always different with you than he was with me. And it was always like I had his body, but you had a relationship with his soul. And I want to know how to do that. Will you teach me? 
Wow. When I picked my chin up off the floor, I said no, but she was really persistent. She kept asking me. And I was actually a business coach at that time working for Michael Gerber. And I was like, you know, I'm not doing this. But she kept asking. And finally, I said, all right, we'll do this on a trial basis. The trial basis turned out to be two years. Oh, wow. I worked with her for two years and we spoke every day, sometimes several times a day. And during that time, I developed the system that I still use to this day. And that was 28 years ago. And she has become one of my dearest friends. She's been married to someone that she actually had gone to high school with, that she could not see at the time until we did the work that we did together. And really, I just developed the whole system while I was working with her. It's worked ever since. And, you know, mine is not the only system, but it is a system that works because I have an amazing track record with helping single people, particularly the ones who have broken pickers or you know, serial bad relationships, you know, the kind that have terrible relationships with the same person in different bodies, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they end up with a really good relationship. And and really, more than anything else, it's about teaching women that they have the power in relationship and that they need to own their feminine power and use it not to manipulate men, but to get what they want. And when I can do that, there's a transformational step in the process that I use that allows women to grow their self-esteem, own their feminine power, decide who it is they want, and gain the confidence to really walk around anywhere and look around and go, I'll take that one and attract that person into their life. They don't always want to keep that one, but they have the power to do it. And it's very gratifying to see women really grow into their power. That to me is, it's the most validating thing that I do. So let's talk about that for just a minute, because I just left an 18 year marriage. I seem to have an expiration date on my relationships at 18 years. (laughs) My first, my first relationship was the exact same amount of time. It's a little disturbing, (laughs) but there's such a difference in the way that men and women are. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Because, you know, while I seem to do fairly well, you know, I have long-term relationships and I think many women work towards long-term relationships. I, and I could be wrong, but how are men and women really different? Tell me the difference between Mars and Venus here. Okay. <laughs> or is that just huge? No, no, no. I, I actually, the metaphor that I use is men and women are different because the metaphor for relationship is the sex act where men have to produce and women receive. And men and women are different. Men are very linear. And these are generalizations, of course. I mean, everyone is different, but men are very goal oriented. They're very linear. They focus on one thing at a time and they are absolutely clueless about what women want. And most men are willing to admit that they're clueless about what women want. The problem is, is that women, because women are very different, they're not linear, they're circular. They really rely on the experience rather than, you know, the goal. Their interest is in experiencing the route along the way rather than just getting to the goal. And they are very intuitive. And really, if women listen to their intuition, they really pay attention. They actually know everything that's going on in their relationship. They're aware of it. Most of the time, they ignore it. And that's where they get in trouble as they ignore it. Why do they ignore it? That's an amazing statement because I think you're right. I think women are incredibly intuitive, but why would we ignore our intuition? Because you're willing to sell out to comfort rather than tell the truth, be vulnerable and take risks. 
Well, you just nailed that one. (laughs) Yeah, because it's scary to be vulnerable, don't you think? It's terribly scary being vulnerable, but this is the work that I do with people. I teach women, you need to be authentic from the very first moment. You need to risk saying what you mean and meaning what you say all of the time. And, you know, understand that you're taking a risk, that this person may walk away. And what happens is women tend to get, oh, this is my last chance. It's not your last chance. There is no way. I mean, I have clients in their 80s that are out there looking for a man, you know, and it's like people will lie rather than risk losing face or being vulnerable in front of somebody that you absolutely love who's supposed to have your back. People do this all the time and it doesn't make sense to me, but I do understand it because it is very, it's risky. It is risky. It is very risky. And there are like 14 questions that are clamoring to get out here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got time. <laughs> I, we do have time. We've got, we've got a ton of time. Let's go back to that vulnerability piece, because to me, that feels like it's one of the core foundations for relationship, because if you can't be who you really are, in any relationship, but specifically in that most intimate relationship, then I don't think there's really a good foundation, is there? Nope, there isn't. But what does it mean to be vulnerable? Because for most people, that is the most scary word in the entire dictionary. Vulnerability, oh my gosh, putting who I am at risk every single moment. And if you are vulnerable, does that put you at risk or does that actually make you stronger? I think it makes you stronger. That is my perception. You know, I talk about women being an attractive bitch. And what Mm -hmm. I mean by that is the acronym for bitch is brave, intelligent, tenacious, compassionate, and honest. I like that. Brave, intelligent, tenacious, compassionate, and honest. I like that. I like that a lot. There's a difference though between a mean bitch and a different one, right? Absolutely. An attractive one. Yes, right. absolutely. Because the, the mean bitches, those are the backstabbing ones. Usually they've been hurt and they're vengeful right. and they take out their revenge on somebody, anybody in a room. And it's because somebody's damaged their self-esteem. The kind of bitch I'm talking about, and I know the word is offensive to a lot of people, but I always used to say thank you when people would call me a bitch because I know what it means. It, it means that you know, you have the self-esteem to ask for what you want and expect and know that somebody's going to go get it for me. And you've seen women like this. I know you have. Every, okay. Everybody's seen women like this, where they walk into a room and they own the room and they can ask for a glass of water and six people will fall all over themselves to get it for her. Oh, yeah. And that's owning their feminine power. It really is because femininity is extremely attractive. And what happens to women in the corporate world, many women in the corporate world, they think they have to become masculine. And it's true in many cases because a lot of the prejudice against women in corporate conditions, for lack of a better term, is that they're competing with the men. And so then they start competing with men. And really, they never should. They shouldn't try to compete with men because women think differently. I mean, that's been proven in brain scan. Their brain works different. Well, we're wired completely differently. Oh, yeah. To act like we're somebody that we're not or something that we're not puts us out of authority. It puts us out of balance. And it actually makes us more vulnerable, don't you think? You give up your power. See, my belief is this. Women have all the power in relationship. And it's like men have power in the rest of the world. And I'm fine with them having power in the rest of the world. You know, let them go out and knock down mountains and do whatever they have to do <laughs> to make the world work. Uh-huh. <laughs> but women 
have the power in relationship. And men are usually willing to give it up because they think it takes too much work. And men are pretty simple about relationship. They're pretty simple in what they want. But the thing is, if women have the power in relationship, relationship is the foundation of everything. Mm-hmm. It's the foundation of business. It's the foundation of family. It's the foundation of love relationships and work relationships. So if you learn how to be vulnerable and honest and authentic in your relationships, you have power and using that power. And it's not power to control. It's not that kind of power. It's literally the kind of power that is the, you know, when there's like, my grandson is playing football right now. And Mm -hmm. He is not the team captain. He is not anything, but he is the power in that team. He's the one who scores all the touchdowns and does amazing plays. He's the running back. Okay. So he doesn't have a title and he's not the leader, but he is the unofficial leader of that team. And you'd probably kill me if he knew I was saying this, but (laughs) (laughs) But it's okay. But you understand that that's true in every situation, that there is always an unnamed leader that people follow. Mm-hmm. You'll see it in boardrooms. You'll see it in any business ventures. You see it in all the working situations. And you'll see it in a family, you know, where there's an unofficial leader, the person that really leads the group. And that's the kind of power I'm talking about. It's like soft power. But women, because men seem to be so strong, they seem to have all their stuff together. A lot of women don't feel like they have that power or that control. And I'm just going to ask this because I know that there's going to be a ton of women out there asking. So what do men want besides food, sex, and television? What do they really want? They want approval. They want appreciation for their efforts. Mm -hmm. And they want sex not necessarily in that order. They are attracted to women who know what they want. In the 28 years I've been doing this, the men will tell me they love it when a woman asks them for something specific. And here's an example, okay? Do not ever ask a man for a romantic weekend. Okay. Because if you ask them for a romantic weekend, you may get beer at the local beer bar, hamburgers, and a trip to a (laughs) boxing match. (laughs) Okay. That's their interpretation of a romantic weekend. If you want to go and spend a weekend at a beach resort where you can have moonlight dinners on the beach and drink champagne and have a jacuzzi, you need to ask for it specifically that way. And women say, well, why do I have to ask for what I want? Because if you don't ask for what you want, you're not going to get it. You're going to get what they want to give you. And isn't that because they're just so linear? And yes, they don't know what we want. One of the biggest faults women have is that they think men know as much as they do about what's going on in their relationship. They think men are as aware as they are, and they're not. They're clueless. They're absolutely clueless. You know, they want comfort. They want someone to be there and approve of them and tell them that they've done something good and believe in them. My thing is that if you believe in a man and believe he's capable of more than he thinks he's capable of doing it, and you're the right woman for him, he's going to do it because he doesn't want to disappoint you. Interesting. So you say men want approval. I mean, do you have to give them approval for taking out the garbage? Do you have to give them approval for, I mean, I can hear women just going, you've got to be freaking kidding me. Are you, yeah, whatever. I think what it is, is it's like, they don't want to be made wrong all the time. 
It's like if you ask a man to do something and you have in mind a way you want him to do it, you're going to make him wrong if he doesn't do it the way you want him to do it. But the reality is, is it's not your job to tell him how to do what you want him to do. Your job is to tell him what you want him to do and let him figure it out himself and then appreciate it, approve of it. But if you have a specific way that you want something done, do you need to ask for that? Because they're not mind readers. They just don't do that. Well, you can ask them for anything specific, but the truth is you got to let them. It's almost like what you do with your kids. You got to let them fall on their face. You got to let them do it wrong until they figure out how to do it right. Without being angry at them. And so is that why women are sometimes so mean to men is because we have these expectations that, you know, they're going to take the garbage out this one way, or they're going to make love to us this one way, but we're not communicating the way that actually makes us happy. You're not teaching them how to do what you want them to do. You know, there's a way, my five-step process, I'm going to tell you what it is right now, because it fits right here. Okay. It's called love with class. C-L-A-S. S. C stands for clarity. And that's what do you want? What do you want your life to be like? What do you want your relationship to be like? And really understand who you are and what you want. That's this first step is clarity. The L is the love yourself step, which is everyone thinks when they start to work with me that I'm going to help them find a man. And this is the step that helps them find a man. But this is not the step that helps them find a man. I tell them to go out and meet 40 men who are outside your comfort zone, who are not the people you're instantly attracted to and find out who they are, what makes them tick. What gets them up in the morning? What is it that motivates them? You know, it expands your perception of who's out there for you. You're not dating these men. You're really doing research. The A stands for learn how to ask for what you want in a way that anyone can hear you, which means that you're asking the person who can deliver what you're asking for, and you acknowledge them first for their ability to do it. It's like if you want a man to talk to you about something, you know, the ones that don't talk. Yeah. And yet you've witnessed them having a conversation with either a business partner or their mother or anybody where they are actually being authentic and saying about their feelings and stuff. You acknowledge them for their ability to do that. Say, oh, I love the way you talk to your partner about this incident. And I want you to tell me what's really bothering you now. Wow. So it's actually an exploration of getting to know the person at a deeper level. Of course it is. And it's not necessarily in a romantic sense. I teach people to use this formula. It's called the triple A. My girls that I was coaching last year called it the triple A. And it's acknowledge, ask, and appreciate. So you want to acknowledge them for something you know that they've done that they're not giving to you, but you know they've done it. It's along the lines of what you're looking for. You know, like, I love the way you talk to the kids. I'd like for you to talk to me that way. It raises the bar and they know that you know they are capable of doing it. So that's the number one step. And then you ask them directly for what it is you want. You want flowers for your birthday? Six months in advance, tell them, I want yellow roses on my birthday. And then shut up about it. Stop. Don't (laughs) nag. Just say it once, but say it very clearly. And then you acknowledge any movement in the direction you want them to go and appreciate anything. And then when they actually do something, men thrive on this appreciation. They want you to ooh and ah. And I'm going to tell you an example. Okay. Okay. I have a friend, my friend, who's been married to this gentleman for 25 years, I think. And he's a very geeky guy. He works in computers. He works in software. And he's very analytical. And you know what I'm talking about, the kind yeah. of person. Right, right. So she says, he never does what I ask him to do. And I said, well, how do you ask him? Well, I ask him and then I remind him and then I tell him again. And I said, well, 
would you try the way that she says, well, that's terrible. She said, that's manipulating. I said, it's not manipulating. I said, acknowledge him for his ability to do what you want him to do. So she said, well, I'm going to try it one time. And she said, I need something done to the hard drive of my computer. And he's a very computer guy. I said, so you have to acknowledge him first for the fact that he takes care of your electronics and makes everything work. Right. So she says, all right, I'm doing it, but it's making me gag. And I'm thinking, okay, fine. <laughs> so she's, she tells him, okay, Tom, I really appreciate the way you take care of our electronics and keep everything up and running because I know that I couldn't do it and you're so good at it. And I really need my hard drive, something done on the hard drive of your computer, and I need it this afternoon. And then I told her to just shut up and he did it. And she said, I know that he knows that I was manipulating him. And I said, you're not manipulating him. You're acknowledging him for something he's capable of doing and that you want him to do for you. So they're at dinner later that night. And he says to her, so Kathy, I need to tell you something. And he, she says, what? She thinks he's going to tell him how he knows he manipulates. He says, you know, the way you asked me to fix your computer today, that was the nicest way you've ever asked me to do anything in the 25 years I've known you. Whoa. And she calls me back and she says, okay, all right. You win. <laughs> <laughs> she said, he didn't even notice. And I was sure he was going to know. I said, look, they don't notice because you're acknowledging him for something they know they know how to do. And then you're asking them to do something for you. And men who want to produce for you. This is one of the things that I teach people in the very beginning is you want a man who's going to produce results for you. Remember that metaphor I said about the sex metaphor that men have to produce and women have to learn how to receive. Right. So you want to find out from the very beginning, is this man going to produce results for you? So you ask him to do things for you even if it's getting something off of a top shelf. But you need to acknowledge them for their masculine abilities because men are very confused these days about what their role in relationship is. And it comes because of the women's movement, because of the women's lib thing back in the 60s, and because of the Me Too thing. Men are terrified of women right now. I think they are terrified of women and of saying the wrong thing that's going to get them into so much hot water. They don't even know if they should open a door or not. I don't get that. I love, 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 love when somebody opens my door, man, woman, whatever, mainly because I struggle personally, mm -hmm. physically struggle sometimes to open some doors that are pretty heavy. And it's just like, I just think it's such a common courtesy. And if I can open a door, I'll hold it for somebody, you know, man or woman. And the looks that I have gotten from men when I've said, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That was very kind. I've thought men would just fall over and they look at me and they're like, what? And I thought, whoa. Exactly. And I've realized there's an enormous amount of power in acknowledgement. And I hadn't really put together, you know, what you're talking about specifically here, but this whole conversation has really made me rethink how we are communicating with our men and how in that communication, we may actually be sabotaging ourselves and what we really want because we're not asking in ways that are clear and concise or just acknowledging them or anybody, but I mean, specifically men for or the contributions that they make. Because I agree with you. I think men just want to be acknowledged. I think they want to know that they have value and that we do appreciate. The women's lip created an awful lot of angry women. Well, and frustrated men. And frustrated men. And the truth is that women instinctively desire, they want to be taken care of. They want a man who's going to protect them and stand up for them. 
Oh, I just hear women all over just rolling their eyes at that one. Well, but think about it. Think about it. Women, we don't need them anymore. I know, but we do. We don't need them to go out and conquer the world and, you know, hunt and bring home the game. You know, we don't need them for that. We can take care of ourselves with current technology and current everything. Women can take care of themselves completely. So we don't really need them to do the things we always used to need them to do. But men don't know what their place is anymore because they know we don't need them. And they don't know, well, what can we do? Because they instinctively, they want to please women. Believe it or not, men really want to please us. Really? Yes. That is their thing. They want to please us. That's why when you tell them what you want and then they deliver it and you go overboard, I mean, really go overboard to the point where you are gagging with appreciation, they bloom. You know, they like stand up taller and feel masculine because they've been able to do something that you actually want them to do. You know, it's interesting. I've been dating somebody who has said it didn't matter what I did in, you know, a previous relationship, a previous marriage. He said, it was like, I couldn't do anything right. I couldn't even park correctly, Mm -hmm. you know? And I thought that is kind of a sad statement when we've become so unhappy or so controlling. And it, it made me reflect on my own failed relationship. And it made me think, what could I have done different that may have made a difference, that may have made the relationship stronger rather than more fragile. And I don't know because I can't, I haven't had that conversation. And I have to wonder how many relationships are slowly but surely being destroyed because we don't understand the core fundamentals of what men actually want and need. Men are very simple creatures. I know my husband, when he's been dead for many, many years, but when he was alive, he used to say, you know, I could survive with a TV, a refrigerator and a remote control. Yeah. I don't need anything else besides that. You know, right. (laughs) And, you know, we can increase the quality of life for men because we want more. We want more than a TV, a remote control and a bed. And the reality is, is when you learn how to ask for it, I mean, the biggest thing I've seen in the 28 years of doing this, and, and I used to work with couples a lot. I quit working with couples because I made them tell the truth. And when they told the truth, they ended up getting divorced because they never should have got married in the first place. So I just said, I'm not doing this to increase the divorce rate. I don't mean to laugh. I know. I I laugh about it too, but I do work with couples briefly now. I mean, I will do a a session with couples and I'll actually do a session with one party of the couple because one person can make a difference in the way the relationship works. But the reality is, is most women don't know how to ask for what they want. They hint about what they want and men don't get hints. They go right over their heads. They don't hear them. They don't understand them. They don't know. So if you want something from a man and you learn, I mean, I've gotten feedback from men for 28 years about, I just love it when a woman tells me what she wants. In everything? Yeah, everything, including sex. That was my next question. But how do you ask? How do you do that? Yeah. How do you ask for what you want? Michelle, it is so simple. You go, oh, that feels good. A little more to the right would feel even better. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Wow. Okay. You teach them, teach them. And the way you teach them is to approve them. You don't tell them you're so stupid. You don't know what you're doing. 
You don't do that, but a lot of women do. You know, an example about a woman asking for something and a man will bring him the wrong thing. And I have so many examples of this and I can't out my daughters in this, but they're guilty of it too. Will say they want something and a man will jump through hoops to give it to him. And then instead of appreciating what they've done, they throw it in their face. And I'm like, no, you have to appreciate the effort that went behind it, the intention that went behind it. You have to appreciate what they actually brought. And if it's not right, then you give them another order. On the front of my book, there's a picture, you know, my book, How to Get What You Want From Your Man. Yeah. There's a picture of a woman sitting at a table with a menu. And on the menu is basically everything you want in your life, a house, an engagement ring, a wedding, children, you know, sex, love, whatever. All that stuff is on the menu. And the truth is, I teach women, learn how to order as if you're ordering from a menu. Not like you're ordering them around, but like you're ordering from a menu. And that you're in a fine restaurant, you're in a fine relationship, and you want to ask this man to do something for you. And then acknowledge any movement in the direction. And the example I think that's in the book is all about, honey, you've been working so hard. I really appreciate how hard you work. And I'd like to take you on a vacation, but I want to take you in a new Mercedes convertible so that we can go on a drive up the coast. So he goes out and he comes back and he says, oh, I brought you a surprise. And he takes her out. And out in the driveway is a great big red four by four truck. (laughs) It has a sunroof. You know, she looks at the truck and she goes, oh, honey, this truck, it's beautiful. And they get inside and it's got leather seats and she ends up giving him oral sex in the front seat of the car. And then she says to him, but honey, I really want a Mercedes convertible. And the next day she gets her Mercedes convertible. And I remember there was a guy that used to come to my class that I would teach online. And he used to say, I love that story. And I'm like, why do you love that story so much? He said, because all I can think of is if, if that's what I got for bringing her a truck. Imagine what I'm going to get if I bring her the Mercedes. And I love that story. I think it's so illustrative of how to ask generously and authentically. And appreciate the effort that went behind what he did do. My son-in-law, my daughter wanted to go to Hawaii. My son-in-law said to me, will you come with us so you can watch the kids so that we can have some time? I said, sure. So he funded this whole trip with him and his wife and me and their kids to go to Hawaii. All she could do was yell at him at how much money he spent. I'm like, what are you thinking? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, dear. You appreciate the generosity and the kindness and the thing, and he's going to pay for it. You know, he'll find a way to pay for it, but don't throw it in his face. You know, you don't do that. You have to appreciate the energy and just the intention that went behind it. You don't ask a man for something and he brings you the wrong thing, throw it at him. You say, thank you so much. This is wonderful. And I really want this instead and be specific. Generally speaking, and I'm going to say this at the risk of irritating all women. Okay, good. Women haven't asked for what they want specifically. They ask for something and sometimes they don't even know what it is they want. They just have a sense that I'll know it when I get it. Yes. 
And so they ask for something and then a man will go out of his way to get it for her and bring something that is not at all what she wanted. And then she'll like throw it in his face. Well, don't throw it in his face. Just appreciate the effort behind it. Appreciate it and say, you know, I really appreciate the thought behind this and what you brought me in, but I really want this. And not even say, but say, and do not say, but. Never bet because that actually invalidates what they've just done. Okay. So you teach women how to actually get what they want. Can you teach them how to get it without feeling manipulative? Michelle, this is, it's so simple. It's like, understand that when you're acknowledging them for something, you're acknowledging them for something that they do. You have to be authentic in your acknowledgement. Oh yeah. Cannot say, oh, you are such a great politician when they never have been a politician in their whole life. (laughs) Right. That's manipulating when you're lying to them about what you believe they can do. But if you really, you believe that they can do it. And this is what I learned about macho. The the actual, I had a a real awakening one time about the term macho. Men are macho. They are because they want to be acknowledged for the things that they do. And if you ask them to do things without giving them acknowledgement, then they can ignore it Mm. because they think you don't really know what they're capable of. And the truth is, if you believe a man can do something more than he believes he can do, and I I always tell women this, I said, look, you want to acknowledge him for what you know he's capable of doing and have it be more than he believes he can do. How do you do that? I mean, seriously, how do you do that? It's easy. Let's say you want him to start a business. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've seen him and he's been able to build cars with your kids or start up a club from nothing and grow it into a big organization or, you know, be part of the school border. I mean, men do things all the time. Yeah, they do. They do all kinds of things all the time. And if you look at the things that they do that are real accomplishments, I mean, you may disregard them, you know, maybe they have a golf tournament. They start a golf tournament. Okay. Well, starting a golf tournament, that's a big operation. It's a huge amount of work. So you acknowledge him for his ability to do that and say, you know, I know you'd always wanted to start your own business. I know you can do this because look at what you did. You started this golf tournament from nothing and now there's thousands of men participating in it or whatever. You know, I'm I'm making it up. Or coaching Little League, you know, all these guys, they coach their kids in sports. And it takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy and a lot of focus and a lot of persistence to do that. So you acknowledge them for their ability to do that and then ask them to do something that includes their dream. You know, it's bigger than they think they're capable of doing. But if you ask them to do it and you believe in them that they can do it, they will do it if they're the right guy. That's the big caveat. Okay. Let's talk about that for just a second. (laughs) If it's the right guy who produces for you. So explain that. Well, it's like I said from the beginning, you have to start asking them to do things. And if they won't do the little things for you, they're not going to do the big things for you. So dismiss them and move on. What are the big things versus the small things? Big things, move, buy another house, buy a house, start a business, have a kid. Those are all big things. And what about the little things? How do you recognize the little things when you have trouble acknowledging? I know these are some tough questions. And so thanks for, thanks for still. No, it's all right. (laughs) 
and some of this is from my own personal experience. I don't mean to sound, you know, completely clueless, although I think in some ways I am clueless when it comes to understanding what men want, because we've been taught, at least this is my perception, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. But in this culture, we don't seem to value men. We seem to put them down an awful lot. To me, it feels like we don't value the contributions anymore that they make. Even the small ones, like taking out the garbage or, you know, putting away their clothes. And it's like, you're part of the house for the love of God. You know, why should I have to praise you for that? But to me, it feels like when, and looking back, you know, my other relationship, looking back, it was when I was in appreciation that it's seemed like the relationship was a lot healthier. That's the key to it. It's like, remember I said, men want approval, appreciation, Mm -hmm. and sex. So approval is for them doing things right. If they put the toilet paper on the roll, but it rolls from the back instead of over the top, (laughs) and you want it over the top, don't complain. Just appreciate him for putting the toilet paper on there in the first place. That's a little thing. Doing the dishes sometimes. You know, helping you with the dishes, drying the dishes while you're washing them. You know, not not most of us have dishwashers, but even putting the dishes away, you know, any of those things, those are little things. If you can ask them, say, could you help me with the housework? Like my daughter just had surgery, I told her. And she asked her husband this morning, could you please move that table closer so that I can put my coffee on it because I can't pull it right now. And he did it. That's a little thing, but that's something you know, he's capable of doing it. Can you set up the table for my mom so that she has her, my daughter calls it my sweatshop. (laughs) (laughs) I bring my sewing machine when I come up here and I do their mending and stuff. And and I also work in, they have a, like, it's like a rec room and, and he puts up one of these big tables for me. So it's like my little office when I'm here. Can you put up the table for mom so that she can have a place to work? And he'll do these things. And these are little things that she would normally do herself if he wasn't around. Right. Right now she can't lift anything. So the fact that she can say to him, thanks Jeff for doing that for me and appreciating and approving him for doing it, as opposed to saying, he never does anything for me. I have to do everything myself. Okay. Just saying that is putting men down, putting him down. Well, and it's truly a form of emasculation, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I'm kind of wondering if there isn't a correlation between the numbers of prostate cancers and the amount of male emasculation that we are unconsciously doing in this society. What are your thoughts on that? Totally could be, you know, I believe in the collective unconscious and the power that it has. I I remember at one time I said, this was many, many, many years ago, probably in the, in the early eighties. I think I said this, I was reading the paper one day and I said this to my husband. I said, you know what I think AIDS is? AIDS is a product of the collective unconscious of the Western medical doctors because they needed to find an excuse to be able to include some of the Eastern medical treatments. Oh, isn't that fascinating? And look what has really Look what's happened. Yeah, look look what has really happened in that AIDS movement. You, mm-hmm. So yes, I think you probably just answered my question. <laughs> <laughs> I think you may have just answered that for me. <laughs> well, it's the collective unconscious. I mean, think about it. Think about all these times when people come out with something new and someone else comes out with something exactly the same, and yet they never spoke to each other. And they say, oh, it's industrial thieving or something like that. That's not at all. It's the collective unconscious. It really is very powerful, the collective unconscious. And the collective unconscious of women has been to underrate men in our society right now. 
can we loop back to the whole topic of sex? Because sure. that's just. <laughs> I love talking about sex. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so. So what's fascinating me, so, you know, I work part-time at this um, alternative health clinic, and it's fascinating to me how many women I hear say, I can't stand sex. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? That is my favorite thing. So what do women fear or why do they dislike sex? What is it about sex that A, turns women off and B, makes it such a chore? I don't get that. Because those women haven't taught a man how to please them. Oh. I mean, the truth is women have a huge appetite for sex for the most part. And women will get to the place where they will turn off because I can't tell you how many women in their 60s I've spoken to who've never had an orgasm. Really? Because they never learned how to do it themselves and they never taught a man how to do it for them. And so the biggest problem in sexual relationships is that women don't have the self-esteem to ask for what they need to satisfy them. And men are clueless. But what if you don't even know what to ask for? You can ask for what feels good. But does that mean that there's something wrong with you? No, no, not at all. Not at all. I mean, really, you know, this is not a class on sex education, but women need to learn about their bodies. Yes. To learn what makes them feel good. And one of the things that I, I'll do with people that are having sex problems, I tell them, look, you need to set aside two hours of exploration. You're not allowed to have sex. You're not allowed to have orgasms, but explore each other's bodies. Put a timer on it for two hours and say, does this feel good? Does this feel good? Find out what is it that turns you on? What is it that turns you off? And how many married couples do you think have ever done that? I don't know. Probably none. How many teenagers have done it? A lot. A lot. <laughs> a lot. Well, they don't do it like that, you know. <laughs> well, I was actually having a conversation with a friend of mine and she's like, I, if I never had sex again, I would be the happiest person on the planet. And I'm just, I'm thinking, and I sat there with my mouth kind of probably never had really good sex. The thing about it is, is that women tend to lie about their orgasms. They lie about sex because they think that a man will think they're a slut if they know too much. Whereas if they know a lot, they can intimidate men. So it's like there, it is a fine line that you're walking when you're going to teach somebody about sex, but just, you know, you do it in a way that it's, you use the AAA, acknowledge, ask, and appreciate. It's like, oh, that feels really good. And could you try this? Let's experiment. Let's try this. And how does this feel? And how does that feel? And really open up about it. But women don't have the self-esteem because it takes women longer to orgasm than it takes a man usually. Oh, in yeah. the beginning. A lot longer for some women. Later on in life, that's not necessarily true because the women get better at it as men deteriorate. And a lot of men have ED problems. And over the age of 50, it's pretty common. But it doesn't have to stop. It doesn't mean that all sexual activity stops. It doesn't. I mean, there's drugs for it now. There's implants. There's all kinds of things that make it work. But you have to be willing to be honest and be vulnerable about it. You have to go to a doctor and you say, look, this is not working. What do I do? What do I need to do? And, you know, men are terrified if they... You know, they think sex equals their ability to have erections and have intercourse and their fear centers around their ability to perform. Well, just intercourse is not all that sex is. 
Sex is seduction. Sex is sensuality. And it's like, you know, when I say men want approval, appreciation, and sex, women want acknowledgement of their intelligence and love for taking care of everybody and sensuality. Women want the seduction. How do you teach? How do you teach a man to seduce you? You flirt with them. All right, ladies, are you listening to this? You touch them. You tell them what you want them to do to you. You know, if you think it's sexy to have a man undress you, ask him to do it. And women say, well, why do I have to do all the asking? Because you're the one who's not satisfied. That's why. So it's really retraining women how to have real conversations. It's how to be honest and vulnerable because they're having to be vulnerable. They're having to say, you know, I'm not satisfied with the way our sex life is going because my level of satisfaction, I end up being frustrated, which is why women will say they don't want to have sex anymore is because they're frustrated. They don't get the pleasure because they haven't taught a man how to give them the pleasure they need to have in order to be satisfied. Men don't know. Where do you think men learned about sex? In the locker room from other boys or in porno things? And porno is the worst I have a man friend, he was a movie producer, and I used to tell him, if you could make a porno that shows a real woman having a real orgasm, that would probably sell like crazy to women. Yeah. Because what you see in porn flicks is not real women having real orgasms. You'll see men having orgasms, but you do not see women having orgasms. No. And that just adds to the mythology out there of what it takes to actually seduce a woman because, hey, baby, you want to is not actually (laughs) a real turn on for most women. (laughs) I have a sex class. It's called How to Keep Sex Fun and Interesting Like It Was in the Beginning. It's like a six-week course and it's really in seduction. It's like teaching people things they can do that are fun. One of the -the out-of-the-box things I tell married couples to do is go out to a busy bar separately at the same time and sit across the bar from each other and flirt with other people, knowing full well you're not going home with anybody except your husband, and then go to a motel afterwards. That sounds like a dangerous game in some ways. I can just hear people now going, what? That's an opener for divorce. Not if you do it right. It isn't. It's actually a huge turn on. I've done it. It's really fun, you know. Oh, interesting. So I just have to ask this then. Doesn't the other partner get, I guess you'd have to have ground rules right up front. The ground rules rules are that you're going to go home with each other. And the flirting is innocent flirting. You don't do heavy, real seduction, touching, feeling, you know, that kind of flirting. You just do little flirting, you know, like talking to people. Just having a conversation with somebody is enough. Men are very visual. And they will get turned on. They love the idea of other men wanting their woman, as long as they know that woman is still theirs. So you have this class, you have this sex ed class. or How to keep sex fun and interesting like it was in the beginning. I love the name of that. How do people find it's that? It's on my website. It's actually a six-week e-course. It's just an email course. It's something I wrote about 15, 20 years ago, actually. It's fun. It's really interesting, though, that because I've had some people purchase some people who've been married a long time. Like there was a couple, a woman, and she said, my kids have gone off to college now, and I would really like to spice up our love life. And I said, well, I have this course. If you want to try it? She said, how would I even bring it up? I said, you'd have to bring it up. I said, just do some of the things in there. I said, you know, put a note in his pocket that says, start seduction at a time when you can't do anything about it, you know? Get that Take a mojo whole week moving. to seduce them. 
like a whole week where you you touch them in places, you know, along their, and not, it doesn't even have to be sexual touching. It's not like you, you know, grab a hold of their package or anything like that, but run your fingers across their hand or touch his face or touch the small of his back or something like that and leave hints, leave hints. This is a time when you can actually hint and get away with it because you're doing seduction and you know, put a note in or call and leave a voicemail. This is a really risky one for women to do, but it's, it really works. Masturbate and leave a sound of an orgasm on his voicemail. (laughs) Yeah. I can imagine that would be a little tricky for some women. Holy cow. I mean, this is stuff. It it starts out with really simple stuff. And that's probably the pretty advanced stuff in this tip. And And it's not None of it's crazy. None of it's like, you know, 50 shades of gray or anything like that. But even that stuff, being blindfolded and playing games and dressing up. I mean, those things are things that can reawaken sexual desire. The truth is chemistry never goes away. This is another subject. Chemistry never goes away. Chemistry can be suffocated. It can be smothered to the point where you think there's no attraction anymore. But the truth is it doesn't go away. It's just usually suffocated by anger. And if you have anger about little things that you don't clear, you know, part of keeping a relationship alive and intense and and wonderful is that you keep the relationship clean. You don't store up things that you can take off a shelf and throw at them years later. Well, look at when you did this to my mother or whatever, you know, don't do that. When you have an argument about something, get to the bottom of it. One of my beliefs is that relationships, you know, committed, intimate, sexual, romantic relationships are to heal old wounds. And when stuff comes up and you get angry about things, generally speaking, your anger has to do with something that happened a long time ago. It very rarely has to do with what the actual incident is, although the incident can trigger This might be a good place to kind of just pick up some of the pieces where we were at. First of all, how do people find you? Because this has been so much fun having this conversation with you. How do people find you? Well, my website is called gettingwhatyouwant.com. Awesome. And they can always find me there. And actually, one of the things I'd like to offer people is the opportunity to have a one-on-one conversation with me if they're having any kind of relationship issues. And this could be any kind of relationship. It doesn't have to be a love relationship, you know, with their kids or at work or wherever. But if they're having an issue or they're stuck in any way and they want to have a conversation with me, I give people the opportunity to talk with me. No charge. You know, it's something that when I do strategy meetings, sometimes I charge two fifty or three hundred dollars for them. But I love talking to people and finding out, you know, what's going on with them and if I can help them. You know, many times we'll just have a long conversation with people and say, "Great, you're on your own." You know, and don't even make them an offer because right. take what they can from the conversation with me. So at the top of my website, it says "Talk with Susan." If you click on that link, it will take you to where you can book a one-hour consultation with me, and there's no charge for that ever. And it's just, you know, for a conversation about anything they want to talk about. We can talk about sex. We can talk about whatever. That is so generous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. They also can download a copy of my book for free. It's an ebook, How to Get What You Want from Your Man Anytime. It also is available as a real book, but you can download the ebook from my website for no charge as well. So kind of going back a little bit to the sex thing, what do women really fear the most about sex? I think that they fear that if they know too much, that men will think that they're sluts. Mm. 
And I really believe that women have a very high sex drive. I think that their appetite for sex is sometimes more than the male appetite for sex, but they don't acknowledge it because it's not socially acceptable for women to be that way. Right. What I have found in, you know, my relationships is that when I've been honest and have said, you know, this, this is amazing. That seems to be the one thing that men enjoy the most. Well, because truth and the honesty is really a very powerful aphrodisiac. You know, the biggest problem that people have in sexual relationships is dishonesty. Because think about this. And I used to do this survey when I would do online classes and ask how many women have ever faked an orgasm? Yeah, I was just going to ask that question. How many women do you think have faked orgasm? I don't think there's a one that hasn't. (laughs) Because do you think we do that because we're afraid that if we don't, that it's going to hurt the man's feeling? Or why do you think that we do? I think it's a combination of things. I think, number one, women are ashamed that it takes them so long to come to orgasm if they haven't been properly turned on. Oh, yeah. And so it embarrasses them that they can't achieve an orgasm. And there, I mean, yes, there's a lot of women who are really, really have trouble with it. But for the most part, it's really just being turned on properly. And if they've been turned on properly, then they can achieve an orgasm. And there are some. I'm not negating the fact that no women ever right. can't have them because there are plenty that that have difficulty with it and they need help. But the reality is, is that they think it's embarrassing for them to have sex with a man who doesn't know how to give them an orgasm. And because women's anatomy is so different all the time, it's like men don't know. They're not familiar with every woman's anatomy because women's anatomy is different. And you need to teach a man how to satisfy you. It's not like, oh, they need a sex class so they can learn how to satisfy any woman. That's not true. It's really the level of satisfaction and what it takes to satisfy women is very individual because there's different erotic centers in your body. I mean, some women get turned on by the back of their knees. (laughs) It's crazy, but it's true. That's interesting. And I mean, some women actually get turned on behind their knees. That's why I tell people do that exercise where you're just exploring because some women have toes and, you know, the back of their knees, the under their arms and their back. There's erotic centers all over our body and it's whatever works. You want to do whatever works. And honestly, you know, having someone touch you in a place where it affects the nerve centers is really significant. So, you know, it's up to you to teach your man what it takes to get you turned on because they don't know. They really don't. You know, for them, it's much easier. You know, they've got the external apparatus that works. They certainly do. So, and again, you know, back to a little bit more anatomy kind of sex talk for men, like you said, they have that external apparatus and exploring because some men like certain things and some men don't. So I love the idea though of that play of making exploration, fun time, play time without an agenda. I think that would spice up a lot of relationships. It's like, take the time to explore each other's body and find out what works, you know, play games, do fun stuff. I mean, sex is fun. It's the most fun you can have for free. I know it should be anyway, right? It should be, yeah. <laughs> you know? It should be. And it's like most, here's the problem in American society, okay, is that we are totally surrounded by sexual innuendo 
and advertising and billboards and everything. I mean, it is thrown in our face everywhere. And yet most of the human beings are so intimidated by being able to talk about sex. It's like, why is that? what is the big deal? Just talk about it, you know? Talk about what works for you. Talk about what doesn't work for you. Talk about what your fantasies are, you know? And probably that's the biggest problem is dishonesty because no one tells the truth. The truth is really powerful aphrodisiac. And if you can just have an open, open conversation about sex, it's interesting because the, the older couples or women who have taken on my little sex course, they're terrified about bringing it up to their husband. And I'm like, why would you be terrified? You know, look, you go through menopause, your body changes. Everything is going to be different. Everything changes. Everything changes. And men, there's a male menopause too. It's not called that, but men go through changes as well. So different things are going to feel different at different times. You and your hormone levels change and everything changes. And if you can't be honest with that one person that you're being totally intimate with and sharing your body with, if you can't be honest about it, then you don't deserve to have an orgasm. That's pretty big. That was nasty of me to say that. <laughs> But I mean, that's, that really is kind of the truth, isn't it's it? It's like, you've got to be willing. It's goes back to that very, the first thing we talked about, the willing to risk and be vulnerable. Yeah. That is such a big deal. Such a big deal. And I think, you know, based on the work that I do and, and that you do as well, one of the biggest fears that we have, and especially around intimacy and around sex is that we're going to be judged and that in some way we're going to come up short. Mm -hmm. In some way, you know, we're going to fail at being desirable. You know, if we're honest about that doesn't feel good, that does feel good. I want this. I want that. That somehow we're going to be judged as being too much, too little, too, too something. There's so many women who have had some form of sexual abuse, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's bullying, whether it's being teased in junior high or high school that has translated in many ways to being unacceptable and in some form or some fashion. And so we're terrified of opening up and saying, oh, you know, this is what I want or this is what I don't want because it brings up all of that old wounding sure. that in some way we are inadequate. Absolutely. Here's the thing, and I'm going to go back to a, a really basic premise that I work with. And that is I tell women, you get to choose, that you do the choosing and you do the ending of relationships. And you can choose wisely or you can choose not so wisely. And the reality is, I always say this, if it's the right person, that right person, you need to be able to do anything with and not worry that they are going to, I mean, they can disagree, you can have arguments and all that other stuff. But ultimately, when you are in a committed relationship with that one person who is the right person, you're a team. And no matter what, you have each other's back. And if that's truly the case, then you should never, ever be afraid to say what you mean and mean what you say. Wow, that's huge. Will you say that again? That's a huge piece of information for, for women specifically. It's like if you have a relationship with somebody who doesn't give you what you want, even when you ask them the right way, they're not the right person. So if you've got the right one and you need to be willing to be vulnerable and say, this is say what you mean and mean what you say and know that even if you disagree, vehemently disagree on whatever it is, that that person still will have your back because you have each other's back because you become a team. You are joined. You're one. 
that's what marriage stands for. It's what being in a committed relationship stands for, that you become a separate entity together. Yes. I tell women, you know, you can choose who you want. And they say, well, well, if I want this person and they don't want me, I said, well, then they're not the right person. But don't you think that there's so many women who are so terrified and men too, of being alone, that they would prefer to live that lie? To me, that just seems like cheating yourself out of something so rich and so delicious. Yeah, it's terrible. It's very, very sad. But women and men will you know, I've had clients who will say, I'll settle for having this because it's less painful than going through a divorce. The relationships will deteriorate because people sell out to comfort. Telling the truth and being vulnerable is uncomfortable. And so, you know, the lie or omit a truth or just, you know, ignore something or pretend it didn't happen because you don't want to step into that vulnerability. Yeah. But you really need to learn that if you're going to have a long-lasting, committed, successful relationship, you need to be willing to take risks and be vulnerable, even if you've been in the relationship for 20 years. And our relationships do change over time as well. They grow and change. They're always going to be changing. Relationship is not a static thing. And it's like so many people think, oh, I'm married now. I'm safe. Mm-mm. That's when the hard work starts. Uh-uh. <laughs> That's when the real work starts. <laughs> That's when the real work starts is right. And it's like, I mean, that that's how people end up having affairs. I mean, I wrote an article a long time ago called The Seduction of the Married Man. And it actually have a book that's in editing right now called Who's Cheating Who? That there are no innocent victims when it comes to people having affairs when they're married. Wow. Everybody plays a part. That so many times I, I hear from people, oh, my wife cheated and she's the evil one. I'm like, well, what were you doing? What didn't you do? to preserve the relationship. Or my husband cheated and I'm so wronged and I was home taking care of the children. And yeah, and what didn't you do? That's a hard one to really look at. It is. It is very hard to look at because, you know, I, I just went through this. I just went through this and, you know, it was there was a lot of betrayal in the ending of my relationship. My husband was unfaithful and it was so painful. And I also had to take a look at what level I participated in that destruction of the relationship. And it it was a very raw, very painful look at, you know, how I had emotionally left the relationship. Mm -hmm. And it was also interesting to look at how I also got to be the victim, which is this huge underlying energetic that's a whole other show that i would love to explore with you yep, there is. But that's a whole different we don't have time that's for that right now <laughs> as a matter of fact we've gone probably way over and i just i so appreciate all of the time that you have spent here with me talking about this because we could go on and on and on forever but i just you know you're right there is a point at which you're not innocent in the destruction or the you know the failure in a relationship it takes two you to know, take you heard me say in the beginning that women know what's going on in their relationship and they ignore it because they don't want to deal with it. I did. Very definitely. I know that this happens. I mean, I've witnessed it so frequently in this work that I do. It's like when women get an intuitive feeling, you should pay attention to it. I wasn't. I was distracted. So... But it was, and and yeah, it's painful, and yes, it hurts, and yes, it's very destructive in so many ways. But if you really consider that you played a part in it, you were a contributor to the destruction of the foundation 
of the relationship. It's not about destroying the people. It's about destroying the relationship. That it is a separate entity and you have to honor it. Well, and I also was very angry and wasn't honest about, you know, some of the things that had transpired during our relationship. And again, that's a whole different, that's a whole different show, but I agree with you. I say that simply because I agree with you. You know, there's so much more to it. I know there's a lot of people get angry with me when I say this, but there are no innocent victims. It's like everybody played a part. Yeah. That's hard to hear though. Of course it is. It's terribly traumatic to hear it. You bet it is. What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm the one who's here at home taking care of life and the world and I'm doing all the right things and he's out there cheating. And how can you say I played a part? Well, exactly. So I don't disagree with you. And I would love to have you back and have a a deeper conversation around this. If you you would, I would love that. You know, I can talk about this stuff all day. I've been doing I it for know. 28 years. I keep saying I'm going to quit, but you know, somebody will come and say, can you help me with this? And I can't resist. I know. I know. And I just, I so appreciate you being here and the fabulous information you have given us. Thank you so much. And again, tell people one more time how they can get a hold of you. My website is gettingwhatyouwant.com. And you can go to my website. You can email me from it. You can also request a consultation. You know, just go talk with Susan. It's at the top. Love it. Go talk with Susan, people. This is awesome. (laughs) Thank you again for being here on Epic Healing Transformations. I so appreciate you and this fabulous information. And I look forward to having you back. Take care, everyone. And remember, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. And we will see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been the Epic Healing Transformations podcast. Thank you for listening. If this episode has inspired or helped in any way, subscribe and then please rate, review it, and share it with all your loved ones. We appreciate you listening and hope you've had your own epic healing transformation today. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question you'd like her to answer on the air, let us know. Other listeners will appreciate the information too. Be sure to drop Michelle a line and share your thoughts, feelings, and experiences with her at michelle at epichealingtransformations.com.